0: I see, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and molly eh? cuttles, huh? You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus
1: had guts! Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. We're here at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and we're talking to uh, one of the best preachers I've heard in a while. His name's Danny Silk. I heard Danny speak in Australia recently uh, at a conference in Brisbane and just absolutely uh, passionate for God and great storyteller, uh, very funny uh, and a great man of the word. And uh, uh, Danny's the uh, family's pastor. We're on the pastoral team here at Bethel Church. Now, firstly, Danny, let's find out a little bit about your upbringing. What was your family life like and uh, what age did you become a Christian?
0: Uh, I was raised in a single-parent home until... Uh until I left home at age 16, and um, didn't really know a Christian until I met Chris Ballatin when I was 17 years old. I got saved when I was 21. After that, I received Christ uh, at the church that Bill Johnson was pastor at. Chris Ballatin was there as well. So we've been together, my wife and I, I met my wife there as well, um, for however many years, that's 30-some years now. Wow. And I, I just got to ask that. So when you were 21 and you, know, you knew
1: a bloke like Chris Vallott, and obviously you've you, you got to give your life to Jesus if you know him. Uh, what was the change life in your life? Did your family notice? Did your friends notice? Was it was it an obvious transformation?
0: Yeah. Uh, when I met Chris, he just bothered me. He bothered me for a couple of years. It, you know, it didn't seem to have the effect that he was hoping for. It wasn't until after I left working there, but the seeds had been planted in my heart, and I'd had some encounters with God that really grabbed hold of me. Um, but yeah, the day I went to church and prayed the prayer and everything, my whole life changed. My, the drugs went away. The, my language completely changed. Uh, my heart was, sent, was soft, and uh, I, I changed the group that I was hanging out with, and everything was different after that day.
1: Okay. Now, my wife's been reading one of your books recently, and she's having lots of discussions with me about the way we raise our children. (laughs) And it's been very helpful. We're we're loving it. Uh, Tell me, um, what's your advice uh, to young parents uh, about, uh, you know, what, what are some tips about raising godly children?
0: Uh, Probably the main thing that parents have to learn is that the goal of parenting is not to learn to control your child. The goal of parenting is to learn to control yourself and then teach your child to control themselves. And that is such a challenge because many of us as, as children growing up in families, we were trained to yield control to our parents. And if we didn't, our parents would become increasingly angry and dominating until they won. And what that does is it creates a, a, an anxiety and a disconnect for parents and children that sometimes they never get back. And tell me, what kind of um, ministry uh, do you have here at Bethel Church with with families? Do, do you teach a lot of this stuff to, to the parents here and the, and the kids at the church? Uh, I have for 10 years been the family life pastor here at Bethel Church. Uh, I'm I'm undergoing some changes now. I'm going to be doing more leadership development, staff development, and uh, working with our community and um, people that that pull on Bethel um, for for support. But uh, yeah, we've we've taught all this stuff to this church. This this has become quite a, a culture here, um, as well as the the next book I wrote, Culture of Honor, is is really how do you do the same thing with adults, and that is how do you. How do you give power to children so that they learn to be thinking capable problem solvers, and then expect to be powerful and need a powerful gospel? And then when we when we transfer that to a culture of honor, it's really now how do we work together with people who we disagree with? You know, I'm glad you raised the uh,
1: you know the message of the culture of honor. I've, I've seen some of your YouTube clips and uh, brilliant brilliant stuff. Uh, they're really, you know, particularly in Australia, there isn't much of a culture of honor. They have this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. When someone is doing well and successful, they just cut them down and, and, uh, and, you know, joke about it and be sarcastic, you know. It's really the opposite to the kingdom of God, you know, dishonoring. Do you want to just speak into that, just in a nutshell, you know, just share with us what the culture of honor is, is all about?
0: Uh, the culture of honor has everything to do with learning to allow people around you to be powerful to be powerful yourself, and then allow them to be powerful. Classically, we're afraid of somebody who's powerful. The tall poppy is, uh, you know, it comes from a monarchy mindset, which if if certain individuals become powerful, they'll oppress us with that power. So we keep throwing off the idea of anybody ever even looking like they're going to rise up and have that kind of power again. And we keep everybody at the same level, which is kind of mediocre to subpar, because we're afraid of power. So it's 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 simply the the misunderstanding that other people can control me what they can't. You know, and and Jesus doesn't want control of us. God doesn't want control of us. He died so that we'd be free. Free to do what? Free to do all that we were created to be and and to fulfill this beautiful destiny that he has for us.
1: Okay, now um I'm going to uh, put you on the spot and ask you to uh retell uh, one of your favorite stories. <laughs> I heard you sharing this Uh, at Nexus Church in Brisbane, uh, talking about the fivefold apostolic. So Ephesians 4.11 talks about that uh, some are apostles, uh, pastors, teachers, evangelists, uh, and, uh, and 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 that, that those fivefold are important for a church, important for the body of Christ. We need to embrace all of them. There's a culture where we just have pastors, and everyone has the title pastor. But we need, you know, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists uh, in the in the church. Tell me our prophets. I missed out prophets. I knew I only had four there, <laughs> um, but uh, we need those fivefold. You told a story about the car accident, about how when you see uh, a man of God turn up in a car accident, you
0: can you can tell. Which one of the fivefold they are? Can you tell us that story? Sure, sure. Uh, it has it, it. It really flows from uh, you know the idea that people have anointings, and anointings affect the way that you see. So when you you look through your anointing you you're going to interpret the world that that you're looking at. So if you have a yellow sheet of glass, everything you see is yellow. If it's blue, everything you see is blue. Anointings function that way. So the fivefold ministry gets in a car, you know, and they're traveling down the road and they come upon this accident. And so the first one out of the car is the pastor. And the pastor's running around making sure that all people are safe and cared for and comfortable and protected from further f- further uh, damage and and getting their names and addresses and finding out if they have children and just uh, you know making sure that if, as soon as the ambulance gets here that all the information is taken care of and. Then the next one out of the car is the teacher, and the teacher's measure, measuring the skid marks to see you know, how, far the, how, how fast the car was traveling when, when it hit the other car and really looking to find out who's to blame here, who's, who made the mistake. And, and so you know, based on their great knowledge of the, uh, you know, the traffic laws, they discern who was the problem. And, and then the, the evangelist is the next one out of the car, and the evangelist runs around and starts talking to all the people who the pastor has laying in a safe, comfortable place, if, uh, if they were to die as a result of their injuries, do they know that where they would go, heaven or hell? You know. And then he looks around and sees all these people that have stopped, and he begins to preach to the whole car accident scene and says, there's no guarantees that you'll make it home tonight. Do you know where you would go, heaven or hell? And they all get saved and get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he, he teaches them how to lead others to the Lord. And then the prophet gets out and the prophet knew this was going to happen because the night before he'd had a dream, right? And he knows that nobody dies because the, in the dream everybody lives. So he rebukes the spirit of death and, and, uh, and starts to uh, call out the the destiny in each person that's laying there and uh, standing around. And pretty soon he's looking around to see who's in charge to really discern whether that's God's chosen leader or not. And, and if it isn't, he's going to go and find one and appoint him. And then the apostle comes, and the apostle is now laying hands on the sick and healing them and, and begins to uh, tell of testimonies of where he's arrived on other car accident scenes and seen the miracle power of God. And so everybody's face starts to rise, and he asks if anybody has heat in his are her hands and are tingling and the people that raise their hand he says come here now i want you to pray for these people and he begins to just activate them right away and pretty soon uh he, he begins to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that uh that it's nearer than anybody thinks and eventually he he, he creates a, a school for people who arrive at car accident scenes and sends them out all over the world to do signs and wonders
1: i love that picture uh, and as you tell that story i can Think of people that I know who fit into those offices, and uh, you know some that are pastors, some that are evangelists, and that's the way they act when when they come across people. Uh, how important is it that churches embrace all five of those uh, offices and anointings?
0: Uh, it's it's the the difference between um, experiencing what Jesus paid for, or just experiencing Bible studies and fellowship groups. Um, You know, for the supernatural to to happen in your environment and to not blow the environment up, you have to have all five. And this is the hard part, though. The culture of honor comes from um, our ability to work through disagreements. The fivefold disagree with each other about what's the most important thing to do next. And so that classically separates us, and we can't seem to—we can't get all five anointings in the same— room together and keep it together because the highest priority is love not ministry. But we exalt ministry over love all the time and it it blows up the body of Christ. The gift of Jesus to the body is one of our biggest challenges is how do we figure out how to move together as one when we so completely disagree so often.
1: Now the other question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up was uh, uh, you know there might be people listening that are thinking you know what this guy He's talking about the Bible, he's talking about church and God, but there might be people listening that don't have a relationship with God, that aren't Christians. Uh, Would you speak to those listeners about how they would become a Christian and and coach them through that?
0: Um, You know, it's as simple as... Uh, asking God to show you who he is, you know. I, I remember before I became a believer, I was, I was into all kinds of astrology and different kind of spiritualisms. And in my trek, I realized that really all I wanted to know was the truth. I want to know the truth. And so I asked God at that time, I said, would you, if, if, you're, if you're real, would you just show me the truth? And the next year changed my life. So he's looking for you harder than you're looking for him. And is it as just as simple as a simple prayer and pick up the Bible? Like, like,
1: what would be the next steps after that?
0: Uh, well, you know, if you if you're familiar with a local church or if you know any Christians, I mean, that would be kind of the fast track. Would be just go talk to somebody that knows. But sure, you could just pick up a Bible, or you know, you could ask Jesus, you know, to come into your life. It's but it's it's much more than just that prayer. It's it's so much about. Uh, Finding his goodness and finding the 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 heart of love that he has for you don't don't take the bait that he 's got a set of rules for you that he 's trying to put you in this small box to keep you under control. You know, once you come into the kingdom of heaven, your life is so much bigger than it ever was outside. Well,
1: mate, I reckon your history maker, Danny Silk. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if people want to find out more about uh, your ministry or Bethel, what's the best websites for them to go to? Uh,
0: to catch Sherry and I is lovingonpurpose.com, and uh, Bethel Church here in Reading is iBethel.org. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Matt. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to
1: www.historymakersradio.com. And also, you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week.
0: History makers.